Blaze Radio presents He He Check. that we shouldn't forget anytime soon. Gabe, to you, before we unpack everything, what did we just watch as Georgia lists the trophy by a final score of 33-18? We watched a mentee take down his mentor. That's what you got. Yeah, and I think in the immediate aftermath, sitting here right now, uh... We're going to be very upfront and say the Jameson Williams injury changed things. Nice. John Mechie not being available changed things. But as years go by and as the the calendar takes us further and further away from the direct playing of this game, we're gonna f- most people are gonna forget about that. Aside from Alabama fans, and fr- frankly, they'll probably forget about it too because they've played in so many of these games. So. Nine, they played, this is the ninth time they played for a national title, CFP and BCS in the last 13 years. Carry on. So, I think it was, I think it might have been their 10th, was it? I thought Saban was 7, oh, 7-2, but one of them was LSU. Um, yeah, so that was the ninth time. Yeah, they'll forget about this. But in the immediate aftermath, we're gonna, there will be a ton of talking points about Jamison Williams going down, how it changed things, the fact that Alabama was up when it happened, Alabama still had a chance to win while it despite it, all of that. But at the end of the day, Georgia wins this, and mentally the hurdle that they've got through, we can talk plenty about everything that happened in this game, but for the long term, not to overreact and be like, they're, equi- they're, not, they're not equals at this point because Kirby and Saban have completely different bodies of work, and frankly, Kirby is more Dabo at this point than he is uh, Saban. But... It, it bodes well for the future success of the Georgia Bulldogs program that uh, the outcome of tonight is what occurred. I don't know how Georgia fans could have recovered. They, I'm sure they would have because it's just a game of football at the end of the day, but it is a game of football that means a whole lot to a whole lot of people down there. And to lose the way it looked like they were going to in the third quarter with a Stetson-Bennett mistake that probably should not have been called a fumble – Recovered by an eyelash and bounds, pretty much Jeez. out of sheer luck, by an Alabama defender who certainly thought the ball was an incompletion. They go up 19-18, and from there, Georgia wins the football game 15-0 in the fourth quarter. Of course, seven of that was a pick six um, there at the very end. But that said... What an impressive performance by Stetson Bennett, who I said to you throughout the first half, you know, Bryce Young was making incredible throws, putting up gaudy numbers in that first half. By the way, first multi-interception game of his young career, the Heisman winner. And I'm sure he's going to have a lot to prove. Alabama's going to be a team to be reckoned with next season. But what came to pass was Bryce Young looked like a freshman quarterback that at times held the ball too long, took four sacks but lost 43 yards on those sacks, which is indicative of the fact that he was trying to descend in the pocket and make plays happen that weren't there. And Stetson Bennett, who we've criticized his decision-making, was able to, more often than not, aside from two or three moments, take what the defense gave him, when the shots presented themselves downfield, he took those two and was able to lead his team to victory. And they won today, the Georgia Bulldogs, because of Stetson Bennett, which was something that was always the criticism. Stetson Bennett won't lose you a game all the time, but he probably won't win you one either. Today he did. Yeah, I, I mean, the throw to Mitchell was, A, it was heads up because it, – we get. I think we're so used to guys taking the free play in the NFL that it kind of it it goes overlooked that in col- in college it does not get the the advantage does not get taken taken um, as frequently. Stetson Bennett saw it, identified it, and took the shot. And really, and really, 
that entire drive was predicated on, and a lot of the fourth quarter success was predicated on Georgia running play action and just putting the ball in Stetson's hands and having him take deep shots, like 15, 20 air yards down the field or more and going at Bama's corners, Um, which I thought was an interesting strategy given the fact that they ran the ball semi-effectively um, I know that the the numbers are certainly they're affected by the, the because numbers. well and there's well Georgia's numbers are skewed because James Cook had the one sixty seven yard run, but I thought White ran the ball effectively. They were able to get and certainly in the fourth quarter. And you see Nick Saban post game telling Kirby Smart like you guys kicked our butt the entire fourth quarter. That's the cleaner way of saying it. Sure. Um, and the whole fourth quarter felt like they were getting five or six yards per carry, and I think that's why they finally got to the point where they they were confident being able to say we're gonna we can also throw the ball on you because we're gonna be able to get it into manageable manageable spots if we throw the ball on first down and don't succeed. But for the f- latter part of the first half, we weren't feeling great about it, um, and it felt like they were putting too much on Stetson's shoulders, I guess, for a while to me, mm-hmm. and then eventually it just. Like, that throw to Mitchell changed things. The throw to Bowers changed things. He stands in there. He takes the hit. Um, a re- I think this is – we were discussing throughout the game. Is Stetson Bennett is the is the worst national championship winning quarterback since who? And I'm not sure we necessarily came to a conclusion. But it's just wild to – like. I can't remember one like him. I mean, I mean Cardale Jones <laughs> – no, and Cardale was extremely was insane, good. Yeah. Of course, I'm not trying to denigrate what Stetson is as a player. He is now a college football legend. He is never going to have to buy a beer again, ever. In Georgia. He may not have to buy another car again in the state of Georgia. Um, and boy, oh boy, if he comes back, that UPS check is going to hit. USPS. What U.S. Postal Service. That's the, the hat, hat that he wears. That's the hat he wears. Fair. I just thought of the first. But also, I don't think that you. I don't know if the USPS can advertise. I don't know. It's a government agency. I don't think that works for NIL deals. I mean, coaches are government employees. Kirby Smart's getting a government check. Fair point. Anywho, back on track. Worth noting, I was rooting for America and Georgia tonight. Go Braves. How many days between Georgia championships? 69. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think the thing that you focus on is that Brock Bowers is a true freshman. He's going to be back. Adonai Mitchell, going to be back. Demetrius Burton, going to be back. Cook could be back. Uh, This Georgia team, defense will probably take a step backward, and I don't want to focus on the the down-the-line stuff. We can talk about that later. But I will say... Kind of feels like Georgia and Alabama could be on a collision course for another matchup next year. I'm just going to leave that there. We'll touch that a little bit later. But for Georgia, yeah, the first title since 1980. A 40-year drought is over. It's starting to feel a little bit like the Cubs curse. The Bulldogs, under Kirby Smart, had played Alabama four times. They had a double-digit lead in all those contests, as they did today. They had lost all four of those games. Found a way to win today. But let's circle back to a point that you made at the very top, which is that Jamison Williams went down early in this game. It is probably a worthless exercise to hash that back out, but do you think they win if he plays the entire 60 minutes? Who, who's being they? Alabama. Jamison Williams. Um, I, well, I was just wondering if you were saying, sure. do, does Georgia still win? I don't know. I think it's still a – like, it. him being in the game guarantees – Nothing for Alabama other than a more competent passing attack. And I say that and still Bryce Young threw for 369 yards. But I can't imagine that Nick Saban was going into that game and was and Bill O'Brien was going into that game thinking that what he wanted was a Jai Hall to be the leading receiver that was not a tight end of was not Cam Latu. Like that that's less than ideal for Alabama in this type of situation. And normally normally national championship games and guys like Ajay Hall are reserved for 
guys like Ajay Hall making yeah. plays and us being like, oh, he's going to be elite in a year or two. It's, that's the next guy. And sure. it's like, well, this was that's the next guy, except for the guy who is the now guy was gone, and Alabama loses because of it. So I think hindsight is twenty twenty two, I guess, at this point. And if Williams is in the game, I don't think it still ends up as a 15-point game because I think that down eight late, even in that situation, assuming everything stays the same, down eight late, the Ringo interception doesn't necessarily happen because I don't think that everything would have been a deep shot, like crazy, we're asking for a lot to happen. You could tell, and and I guess I'll make this point now also about Cam Latu, who was the leading receiver for Alabama. He had 102 yards in this game. The previous two games against Georgia and Cincinnati, a combined 24 yards on two catches. He hadn't had more than 58 receiving yards in a game this season. He had 61 on what I believe was his first catch of this game. Listen, Jamison Williams is one of the biggest difference makers in college football, I guess, right now. It's not going to be for long. He's all but declared for the draft at this point, I think. Yeah, he's gone. He played for like a quarter and a snap, hardly into the second quarter. He still was second on the team in receiving yards, four catches for 65. The thing that really hurt Alabama, I think, was that their game plan out of the gate was, and I'm going to get really nuts and bolts football here, they came out in a ton of trip sets. The point of running trips is to, when the opponent is playing man coverage, kind of hide guys in a clump, have them run routes that kind of cross each other's face, and lose dudes in that man coverage. They were trying to force Georgia into playing zone. And it was effective with Jamison Williams on the field because the threat of his vertical stretch opens things up in that formation. Would have set up their RPO game and the run game, play action. Everything was built off of that. And without Jamison Williams, that became way less effective. Georgia was able to come downhill. And although Alabama actually was a little bit better than I anticipated running the football, blocking up front, getting Brian Robinson to the second level, getting him to the perimeter where he could break tackles from small dudes. It just wasn't enough. And that was the thing that I said all year long was people don't, they just throw out, you know, you're Alabama, you reload. That's a fallacy. Even Alabama is going to struggle to replace what they lost. Nick Saban had never lost as much production as he had from last year's national championship team. And I would argue that since his first title, this might be his best coaching job. Getting this team to We were so down on this team throughout the year, and that's and I why I was right. And by the way. and and I going back to what we talked about on the podcast last week is everyone saw the Cincinnati game and saw the first game against Georgia in which they had John Mechie for the latter part of yeah. and said, "Oh, Alabama is the team that we've always like Alabama is what they were last year. Sure. Alabama is what they were with Tua. Alabama is what they were in years before that. And that was not the case. They played Georgia in the game, the only game this year in which Georgia had nothing to play for other than a un, an undefeated season. And that is why this Georgia team is not an all-time all-time great team. It is a really good team a real it's a national championship winning team you put but joe it, burrow at quarterback but, on this team it's maybe the greatest ever though well that's I, that's not fair but, to just do but. but the point being georgia had georgia went in that game knowing we are in the college football playoff no matter what outcome occurs and alabama took advantage of that they took advantage of the fact that the matchups were helpful and i think that i think that alabama is one of if not the only team in the country that was offensively, uh, schematically styled to beat or take advantage of Georgia's quote-unquote weaknesses in def- mm-hmm. on defense. But without the top two guys, they no longer are that. And that's what we saw in this game. And it doesn't change the fact that against other teams throughout this year, we saw it with the graphic of common opponents this year, Arkansas, Florida, you go down the line, Auburn, all these Tennessee. teams, all these teams, and Tennessee's the only one that both of them clobbered. Yeah. The other three, Florida, Auburn, and uh, who was the third that I said first? 
I'm blanking. But you, the you po- blanking on it blank me. The point being, Georgia just Arkansas. Georgia just oh. drubbed teams that Alabama struggled with throughout the year, and then the matchups dictated it being closer, and we end up in this situation where everyone thought Alabama was who they always were, and they weren't. And we forgot that because we had the SEC championship game, and then we had 37 days between then and now in which everyone talked themselves into Alabama being typical Alabama, and that was that was never the case. Like, if Alabama had won this championship, it would have been a bad thing. It would have been the rest of college football not taking advantage of a a quote-unquote down year for Alabama. And, like, it's ridiculous that we call a down year a team being arguably an injury away from winning the national championship. But that's the truth. Like, that is and, – and sometimes that's what it takes for a team to win a national championship. That's what it takes for a team to get over the hurdle and keep things going. So, like, it took, took some weird stuff happening for Clemson to dethrone Alabama the first time. And Clemson, if Alabama doesn't exist, we're going wild about the run that Clemson Clemson had been on aside from this year. Sure. So comparing people to Bama is ridiculous. Right. But I think Georgia is firmly in the conversation with Clemson and Ohio State as that pantheon four at this point in the in the sport of college football. And who knows where we go the rest of the way? Because like LSU is going to every once in a while do what they did a couple years ago, but sustained excellence, no one in the SEC other than Georgia has been able to prove that they will consistently do this. And the thing that I I hearken back to in the Stetson Bennett conversation where everyone or certain people wanted JT Daniels to play, Stetson Bennett provided something with his legs that JT Daniels did not. Mm-hmm. And passing-wise, given what this team was going to ask of whoever played quarterback – the difference was not significant enough for Kirby Smart or anyone else at Georgia to warrant going to Daniels. So Stetson Bennett was the best person for the job to win this national championship. And going back to the last national championship where they had Fromm and they had Justin Fields on the team, Jake Fromm was good enough to win, but you can argue there was a better option on the roster. And I think that the 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 thing for Stetson Bennett is that there never was a clear-cut better option than him on this, and I'm glad that he took advantage of the, uh, yeah, of, awesome. of that opportunity. It's, it's awesome. It's perfect. It's a movie. I hope a movie gets made about this. I really do. Uh, there's a budding cinemographic scene in Georgia. A lot of stuff getting made in Atlanta now. I hope this. If Kurt Warner can get a movie, this should be a movie. It was all scripted well. Yeah. And then post-game. Stetson was asked what it meant for walk-ons everywhere, and he goes, "I don't know, man." Oh, and that's, that's Stetson. That's always it. like you. I've never seen the guy just be like, "I, I don't know," answering questions before. He's like, said yeah. it like four or five times. Uh, I get Daniel Radcliffe to play him. He's short. Former Harry Potter guy. Yeah, black hair. He's like mid thirties now. And then, I guess Stetson Bennett looks super old, anyways, but. No. No? No. Okay. I don't think so. We'll get back to the drawing board. Uh, <laughs> I, I, comment in the chat who you think should play Stetson Bennett in the movie. Uh, freshmen who are watching the stream in the other room, uh, tweet the poll. Heat fraud hater is active tonight. No, actually, I someone liked a tweet from in March of heat fraud hater of last year. So we're back. We're back to draw score square one. Uh, I love it. Um, so... Georgia has Brock Vandergriff waiting in the wings. I believe Stetson Bennett can come back if he should please. This is a pretty perfect ending to his story, but I believe he can come back. Do we think Georgia can get better under Kirby Smart going forward than they were this season? Yeah. Before before you go off, all-time defense solidifies themselves tonight. All of the circumstances surrounding their defensive performance in the form of John Mechie not being available and Jamison Williams not being available. And I hope that's the last time we mention that because we mm-hmm. should focus on what actually did happen yeah. and what didn't. Uh, they held Alabama, a team that had the Heisman winner at quarterback, and torched them in Atlanta a couple weeks ago. 
to 18 points, meaning that Alabama, I believe, is the only team in the SEC championship to go over 20 against this defense. That's correct. That's unbelievable in the SEC especially. And what I will say is this, though. You could say all-time defense, can Georgia get better? And I will say yes, because having a quarterback of the Bryce Young level, of the Joe Burrow level, which is absurd to say, but like even relatively in that stratosphere. It's becoming commonplace. It's, coming, it's becoming a significantly more commonplace. Uh, even Mac Jones after Burrow, the year after, any of those options at quarterback – Look at how hard it was to win a national championship with a defense as elite as this one was and ask yourself, what is a more repeatable uh, recipe for success in college football? And it is clearly better offense than defense. And so what I would say is Georgia's ceiling at quarterback is so much higher. Like, it's not – I feel like terrible to just be like anti-Stetson Bennett after this night, but this is the ceiling of Stetson Bennett, and it was still razor-thin margins to beat probably one of the worst bottom five teams in in Saban's last decade at Bama. Is that, like, if this would have been a national championship winning Alabama team, it's arguably the worst one. There were special players on this Bama yeah, team. But, I there mean, was it was not but, a special team. And moreover, like traditionally, Alabama is gonna field a defense with a first round guy, secondary linebackers, and pass rusher defensive line. This team has guys like Will Anderson is angling with his teammate Bryce Young, and I guess C.J. Stroud as well, Jackson Smith and Jigba, to get. Way down the line. Next, next but, year. like, Will Anderson is going to be in the first-round discussion. He was magnificent in this game. He, was, uh, he is uh, one of the most— jumping offside every play. But he was timing—his first step is unbelievable. And he might be the most dominant defensive lineman that we've seen in college football since Ndamukong Sue. I don't think that that's extreme. Like, truly, Jadavion Clowney physically had that. He didn't produce at the level that Will Anderson does, though. Aiden Hutchinson was Aiden a Heisman was, Trophy finalist this and year. And Anderson is a lot better than he is. That's crazy to say, but it is true. Will Anderson's but a, the little, point being, a, a little bit less palatable of a Heisman narrative, and I'll let you just sit on that. Well, yes, but the point, the point remains. Like, this was not one of Saban's best Alabama teams, and it still was – like, the score – I know that it's a 15-point win – but it was an eight-point win. And then Keely Ringo decided to just ignore Kirby's, Kirby's pleas of Kirby, get down, get down. I, I, Kirby tried to self-sabotage hard. Can we talk about that? Not going for two. Yes, After this is, the, this is something Bad football they, math there. They go up. They get the touchdown. After, I believe it was after Bryce Young. No, it wasn't after the pick. Uh, they go up in the fourth quarter by... A touchdown, though, and because they had gotten a field goal earlier and Alabama had failed at a two-point conversion, they were already up eight or already up seven when they scored. They were up seven with three minutes and 37 seconds on the clock, and there was a personal foul, which great point by Kevin as we were watching the game here at the compound. Uh, The compound. Yeah, that's what I'm going to call it because we had literally the the mega cast going up in Mm -hmm. here. And because – of the personal foul committed against Stetson Bennett where the guy hits him in the face mask, they could have taken half the distance to the goal on the two-point conversion and run the play from the one-and-a-half-yard line. By the way. And just bring out the big fellas and dive that thing in the end zone. Carter and Davis. But regardless, they should have gone for two. I hate when teams do this. I hate it so much. I understand that by kicking the extra point, you go up eight, you make it so that you can't get beat in regulation. And that your opponent has to not only score a touchdown, but get two points on the two-point conversion. I just think it's way more beneficial to trust your team to get two yards, get into the end zone, and make it a two-score game than it is to make it an eight-point game. I completely agree. Because the downside is that 
You're only up seven. Your opponent's probably not going to go for two and win. If they do, good for them. But where I disagree with you is I don't. I would not. Love, I would not label that decision as self sabotage. I think it is. It is in conjunction. I with, think it is. Get down. Get down. Get down. Get down. And some of the other well, choices he made in the fourth. He he kind of did try to lose the game. I'm trying to think of when that. I mean, Keely Ringo intercepts that ball with a minute, with a little over a minute and change. Like if he goes down, the game is over. Alabama had three timeouts. Could have been one, two, three. Get the no, ball back. No, I think Alabama had two. I believe. Let me check the the drive chart on the last drive. Timeout Alabama. Time, okay, they did have three. Okay. <laughs> okay, but can you blame Kirby Smart for thinking like, like no? Let, and let me Keely get the didn't ball listen. out of the redshirt freshman, not an offensive player's hands. And here's another thing: Booger McFarland said this to me, not individually, but I did hear him say it on the podcast <laughs> at one point in time. He was talking about those Bucks defenses that won the Super Bowl, right? With yeah. Lynch and Sap and all those guys. And he said, "What made this defense such a great defense is that when we forced a touch or a turnover, we would go score." We wouldn't give it back to the offense. We knew the offense wasn't going to get it done. (laughs) So we knew that we needed to go score. And when Georgia got that interception, they blocked to perfection. There was was, uh, definitely incredible blocking down the sideline, and I don't remember necessarily what Chris Fowler said, but he had an escort to the end zone, I think is what the call was. was. It was the, was the case. Like it was blocked up Great extremely call. well, and I don't think we. I, I thought it was like interception, and as he was returning, it seemed like oh they're they're going to get good field field position out of this. At the very least, if they have to punt, they're going to send Alabama deep, and then we were going to have a chance for Bryce Young to do what he did against Auburn in at the end of regulation, maybe go ninety plus yards to score and tie the game. But the big fellas, the big D linemen. The, the linebackers are out there lead blocking. And then Ringo looked like a guy who had played a little bit of running back. And <laughs> Which he did. Fa- I, exactly. I called a game no, exactly. of playing running That's back in high point. school. He looked like a guy That's who had a little bit of experience in the open field eluding tacklers. Scores. Ball game's over. So it is a 15-point win. It was closer than that. Um, my point would I, – I keep going back to historically good defense for Georgia. Yeah. And it's still – was this close, I would say this close, to Alabama winning, despite Alabama not being one of its best teams ever. And that's why Georgia, the the Kirby cannot allow this to be a situation in which, because they win, he accepts mediocre to slightly above average quarterback play. We, we just saw what happened as, to Ed Orgeron. You can't exactly, be complacent. Exactly, you cannot. And I... I don't. He doesn't have the Ed Ed gene, and he is more than. He's also an alum. He's yeah. He's he's also an alum, but he's more than understanding of the value of consistent in season recruiting. I just think there's going to be a, a time where they've got to be a little more modern offensively, and they have to be yeah. able to. They have to. There can't be something where Jake Fromm is able to look significantly better than Justin Fields because of your system. Mm-hmm. It's it's the Wisconsin argument that I've had with or we've had this discussion of. It's if your offensive scheme is that that elevates poor talent but puts a ceiling on elite talent, yep. you're doing something wrong. And Georgia is a program that does not need to have that kind of system in place. So there is so much room for growth offensively for Georgia, and if that happens, then it gets really scary. So this is the second lowest winning score by a team in the playoff era only to Alabama in 2017 as they beat Georgia 26-23. to Alabama is the only team in the playoff era to play in a championship game and not score 20. They've now done it twice. They only scored 16 in Santa Clara against Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. Tonight they score 18, but that goes to make the point that you win with offense now. Mm-hmm. You do not win with defense. And that's, and, why, this and that's why this is an elite defense that is all, all, all time and maybe the best ever in the history of college football because they bucked the trend of the entirety of the sport. 
Completely. Because you grade them on a different scale given what offenses can do now. Like, yeah. even if the raw statistics of points per game, and I don't have them in front of me, even if the raw statistics would signify that a different defense was better, the accomplishment is certainly, if we're grading on a curve, the accomplishment I think is up there, if not better, based on what Georgia has done. And, and sure. there might be defenses that put more NFL talent out there because I don't necessarily know what the prospects of a lot of these Georgia defensive backs are. Maybe down the line, Keely Ringo is a big-time NFL mm-hmm. guy. Maybe Darion Kendrick is Kendrick's going to get drafted yeah, this year. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know necessarily. It's not like, it's not like one of those classic yeah. Miami defenses from years back where every right. dude is an NFL guy, and, and a lot of them are legit Multi, multi-year NFL guys and pro bowlers and all that kind of stuff. So grading on the NFL scale is way, way down the, the trail. But given, given how hard it is to play defense in college football now, it is ironic, personally to me, to hear at the start of this college football season, the team that I covered throughout it, Arizona State, Herm Edwards says, you win with offense now. And then, of course, we have this year from Georgia, and, and they win with defense. Um, moment of the game. Is it that pick six? Is that the indelible moment no. you remember? It's the catch from I'm going to remember the Mitchell touchdown. Mitchell. Yeah, because it was an absolute rainbow. And, Great throw. And it came on a drive where, they, where Georgia was like, we still believe in Stetson. Yeah, and yeah, and he just point. kept throwing the darts out there, um, and if there's a mo- if there's an image of the game that I will remember, it is Stetson Bennett crying on the sideline, for sure. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't, th- he seems like a guy who isn't capable of uh, matching his words to his emotions. Yeah, but his emotions there, the the <clears throat> visual of it spoke enough. Given uh, his lack of explanation for the for the moment, I, I think for him too, part of those tears were relief because we did have the what the hell sets and moment where he got sacked. There was no play to be made, and instead of just taking the sack on third down, decides to try and throw the ball out of bounds and burn it when it would have made no difference. You're punting anyway. It turns into a fumble. Alabama scores. They take the lead. And Stetson, I, I would love to know the psychology in his head about what was going through his noggin at that moment. And Kirby Smart and his offensive staff having the wherewithal, Monken, to say, okay, buddy, next drive, we're going play action shot, play action shot, play action exactly. shot. You're going to get sacked, and we're going to go right back to the well, and you're going to throw a touchdown. Given it was free play. But... That is an all-time historic, put it on ESPN Classic, even though I know the channel's gone bust, <laughs> drive. Run it on the SEC Network all offseason. And that's a program changer and maybe a decade definer for Georgia. Because once you see you can do it, it becomes a lot easier to do it again. Second and 18, down 18-13, is maybe it's the new second and 26. 26. Yeah, like for Georgia, that might be... Might be the moment. Um, it's funny that, that that was the play they finally got Alabama for being offside, isn't it? <laughs> but it was like it was legit. And all the all of the Will Anderson ones, like we It was tight. All night long. We were like, it's close. Yeah. But he was I've never seen somebody was, so good at it. Yeah, he was he was jumping the snap. It's it's like he was so quick that he could see the ball move and be moving past the tackle before the ball had cleared the center's rear end. <laughs> when, when they're when they're running pregame montages and you hear Greg McElroy's voice and he's saying there's NFL right tackles that couldn't block Will Anderson right now and he's not even a draft eligible prospect this year, like you just know. I don't know if there's any right tackle right now that oh. could have consistently blocked Will Anderson tonight. He was absurd. Um, that kind of ball get off. It doesn't matter what level you're at. Because if you don't get hands on a guy, the reps over, and it, it was crazy. Because Georgia and Monken called an incredible game tonight. Whether it was the fake reverse action to lead to the much-needed shot down the field to George Pickens. And again, another moment Alabama goes down, gets points, 
Georgia's offense is floundering, floundering, and they needed to play Stetson Bennett through a perfect ball down the field to George Pickens, mm-hmm. who made one catch tonight but had 52 yards on that catch. Georgia answers, gets a field goal. Whether it was that or some of the other drive constructions he had, sticking with the run game in spots, knowing when to trust Stetson Bennett, having the faith in his young quarterback to go execute, get those points to get back up in the fourth. All that was just so well done on his part. But it just felt like in every moment when Georgia needed a play, Stetson Bennett gave it to him. In Truly. The, in the second half? Absolutely. Just the entire game, realistically. Even even that shot to Pickens, that mattered. Yeah, I, I just... The first half, I, I thought we were in for just a field goal fest. And the second half was... I mean, we hit, we hit 29 of the 51 points in the fourth quarter. Um, and in the words of Mike Tomlin, some people were getting tight. When, about the about the David over Pollock? about the over yeah um yes so the fourth quarter was Tight a, was a sweat yeah yeah no context blaze clip that um, <laughs> <laughs> there was uh there was there were some people certainly across the nation worrying about under totals or under under bets because I'm sure a lot of people had Georgia in the under what did Trevor have I we lose communication was, I believe he was riding with with his boy Mill. And and Bama plus money is my my bet. Trevor loves to see a nice little plus money sign, so I would bet he was on he was on about Alabama, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, going back to Alabama, and we don't have to spend too much time on this. We don't have to spend too much time tonight because um, it already is late, and there's only one game to analyze. But Brian Robinson, 22 carries for 68 yards. 17 of those came on one carry, by the way. And and four broken tackles on that play. It was eerily similar to the SEC championship game where it's like he had 16 for 55 in that game. They were never going to win the game because of Brian Robinson, and they were never going to win the game because of the run game, um, and that was certainly the case. And that is why so much was going to be asked of Bryce Young. And I, I don't think we can really – I don't think – if you're doing blame pie for Alabama losing... I love blame pie. If we're doing blame pie, and this is just off the dome... Dessert time. Um, as we start to wind down the show, we can give scholarships and you sanctions really for this game. You really want to get out of here. No, I'm just... I, I just don't think we need to go like an hour 40 on this game. <laughs> I don't think it, it warrants that. Um, even though it was an incredible, incredible sporting event. If we're doing blame pie... I don't think Bryce Young can get more than 30% of the blame. Um, like he, I th- he left some plays on the field. He certainly was a freshman tonight. Redshirt freshman? Basically. Redshirt freshman, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a Heisman winner. Uh, sure, I get all of it. I get all of it. He had Jamison Williams go down. He didn't have John Mechie. I think, though... There were moments where he tried to make, and this is, I texted you before the game, if you remember yesterday. I said his mental capacity to understand the game in play is on a level akin to very few. He is, that is his superpower. His brain is his superpower. There was a play against Cincinnati where he understood exactly what the defense was doing in man coverage. He understood that he had two guys running vertical routes that was going to open up the right side of the field and basically turn the passing play into a speed option mid-play. Like, that is stupid stuff. But because of that, sometimes he gets himself into cover or into trouble trying to outthink the defense. And Georgia is so daggum fast, you can't do that. And everybody said before this game, key for Georgia is to get pressure on Bryce Young. They couldn't do it when they played in Atlanta. They did tonight, they and that undid lot. him. Yes, he was hit a ton. So was Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett, the man with old man strength of the two of them, was able to take those hits a little bit better, I think, mm-hmm. and wear them for two smaller quarterbacks. I'm compiling my blame pie in my mind right now. Okay, I'll try and buy you some more time. Um, um, I, I would give him about... 35 to 40% blame. I would give him a little bit more than you. He's the quarterback. 
he takes one blank. I thought uh, he missed a read on the two point conversion when Jacory Brooks Jacory Brooks won his matchup. Like yeah, they did the trips thing um, again and won man on man on the opposite side. Yep, and they rolled the they rolled him that direction where there was no uh, there was no that. safe uh, but there was no like he vacated quickly. Yeah. So from a he vacated the pocket quickly. The idea of running that trips there is that they're trying to get those guys moving laterally to that side of the field and really stretch the defense, right? Eventually, you know, it's like Alabama's offense in a lot of ways is like your defense is pizza dough, and they're going to stretch and stretch and stretch until a hole forms, and they're going to run right through that mm-hmm. hole. That's what they were trying to do. And, again, it speaks to that Georgia front. They got in there so quick, and they did the work throughout the game to make that clock set off in Bryce Young's head a little bit too fast. He vacated a clean pocket, looked like he might have the speed to get to the edge, and it just showed off exactly how talented N'Kobe Dean is because you tracked him down. Or it was Nolan Smith. Mm-hmm. It was one of the two linebackers. They played side-to-side so well. This Georgia defense was just truly in special form tonight. Is your blame pie ready? Is it out of the oven? Um, yeah, but I think it's going to be a really cowardly blame pie. Like, I think it's going to be... Oh, I hate that. Give it a little spice. I just don't think it's going to be very impressive. I'll, I will settle on, because there's not a lot of great candidates, 35% blame to Bryce Young. I will give... Can I give 5% blame to Jimbo Fisher I'll for saying it. on the mega cast, he ACL'd he it? He ACL'd it. That's, that's just... To Jamison Williams' injury? That's just not very good. Um, I will give <laughs> I will give 10% blame to Will... Reichard for the block field goal that he missed. Oh, I completely forgot yeah. about that play. How huge. Because that would have put it at 12-6, and at that point, I don't know if mentally Georgia like was confident enough in themselves. And then the James Cook run happens, and they come, they go down, they score, they go up 39, and the whole game gets The going. blocked kick changed everything in this way specifically. Georgia got a pick. They weren't able to do anything with that pick. They started on the 40-yard line. They had to punt. They got it down to the one, and then Alabama just marched on down the field and got into range to get points, and Georgia denied them. That changed everything. Okay. That's a good point. I'm adding some spice to the blame pie. Love it. 25% blame just to injuries. Unfortunate, but that's the case. Um, 10% blame to Bill O'Brien for not being able to scheme up a little bit of more success in the run game any way possible. Well, I mean... Any way possible. That front, but a couple sweeps. But, like, a sweep. But it's hard because those linebackers are so daggone yeah, fast. Exactly. It makes it pretty difficult to do that unless you exactly. got guys like Jamison Williams on the field. And then, here's the last one. Mm. Nick Saban goes, he gets absolute scotch-free because this was a great coaching job. The last 20% goes to a Jai Hall for not, <laughs> for not going to class, not preparing to step up in the moment, when Jamison Williams gets hurt, John Mechie gets hurt, and they're asking, can the, can the real third option stand up? And Slade Bolden's like, guys, hand up. It's not going to be me. It can't <laughs> be me. It cannot be me. As much as I want to be Hunter Renfro in this moment, I, I can't do it. And Ja'Cory Brooks looked, and Ajay Hall, uh, I'll split this up. Ajay Hall and Ja'Cory Brooks, they share 20% of the blame. Trayshawn Holden had like six catches. But that, again, <laughs> testament to the Georgia defense. Trayshawn Holden had like six catches. He also had like twenty-eight yards. So that's what I'll do. Um, um, there and there's no way to there's no blame pie because it doesn't change the outcome of this game. ACC refs get a C minus for making themselves a main character in tonight's <laughs> game. I mean, there were a couple moments where I thought they did some stuff well. Uh, the the moment, the beginning of the game where Georgia phantom fumbled and they let it be good play, or it was Alabama that like phantom fumbled and they let it play on and then Georgia scored but they knew that if they had blown the play dead there was no possibility of reviewing it even though it was clearly an incompletion after they looked at it uh, the same thing happened I have no idea how they ended up coming to the conclusion that that was a fumble, a fumble reco- and a fumble recovery and a clear recovery <laughs> even though I do think it was recovered in the field of play it was tight I think it was recovered. Mm-hmm. The part that I couldn't get is how do you discern that that was a fumble? Although the ball looked as if it had started to move in Stetson's hand before his arm came in motion, just to have the game be determined potentially by something that tight. They went with the play stands, 
I said to you in the moment, man, they're taking a long time. That almost certainly signifies they're changing the ruling. Just turns out they had to evaluate the whole thing and they come to the conclusion that it was a fumble. I'm glad that didn't determine the game. Yeah. I'm glad that that is just one snapshot moment of a great fourth quarter. In a way, it almost elevated Georgia's offense because it forced them out of their shell, forced them to trust Stetson, and that's when they scored the touchdown. That's true. Uh, I'm looking up some historical data. Because prior to that, Georgia's only real offense had come off that long run from James Cook. That's true. I, why can't we? Why can't we? Have Another point here. I'm going to move on. Okay. If you find what you're looking for, we can come back to it. Okay. Everybody had said Alabama is Alabama. They'll just reload at receiver. Well, initially you had Judy Ruggs, Waddle, and Devonte Smith. And prior to that, you also had Calvin Ridley. Well, they lost the first pair two years ago, and then they lost Devontae Smith and Waddle last year. And they had Mechie behind them. They had Slade Bolden behind them. But this receiving room got really young. They struggled with Jamison Williams. But it it showed today that Alabama did not have the ready-made depth, which I said to you before the game, you look at it, and the only guys that had more than 200 receiving yards that were receivers on this Alabama team were Mechie and Jamison Williams. Mm-hmm. That was concerning to me. And it came to bear that those guys couldn't win one-on-one matchups against a beleaguered secondary when they didn't get the gravity of Jamison Williams opening stuff up underneath. And Absolutely. That, that's a concern for Alabama. It's something they're going to have to evaluate this offseason, especially when they go looking in the portal. Yeah, they'll go portaling. They also get Jameer Gibbs from Georgia That'll Tech. That'll help, but again, you know, you're losing – Gibbs steps in, Robinson likely steps out. Yes. You would think Ja'Cory Brooks will step up. You would think Ajay Hall will step up. They he just, didn't really they get a full season. They just weren't ready. Well, he didn't get a full season because he didn't decide to go to class this year. But I've never seen a redemption story at Alabama like Ajay Hall's. Usually those guys are just dumb. Well, the real redemption story would have been catching in a, a championship-winning touchdown. Because, like, we, the second and 26, that was Devontae Smith. Nobody knew who Devontae Smith, other than Alabama fans, was. Yeah, at that point, like, you'd have, you had to be a hardcore, hardcore fan. I, okay, so my point being, as I was looking up data, 15-point final score, 33-18, is the closest national championship game we've had in the playoff era since Georgia-Bama, the first edition. Um, it is the... First game decided by only two scores since that game. First time a three seed's ever won the whole thing. First time a three seed has ever won the whole thing. But it, it was closer than a 15-point game. That's my point. And, yeah. like, this is clearly... It was an game. Yeah, this is clearly the best game that we've had since... Georgia-Bama. Since Georgia-Bama the first time. And that was, uh, that was part of a three-year run in which we had a five-point game, a four-point game, and a three-point game. So hopefully this bodes well for more competitive college football national championship games. Um, insert joke about parody in the sport and the fact that we had new two new playoff teams. We had a new national champion this year. Uh, Alabama didn't win the national championship. Like I don't know what people could ask for more, and that's adding past Gabe complaining about things, but I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I'd like to see the sport get more national. But objectively, I know there are lots of people who are like, oh, more SEC, like – you're out here, you're out here turning around me during the broadcast and being like, I'm so glad that all we have to watch is SEC commercials tonight. <laughs> um, and that's a little bit ridiculous. But at the same time, like, I don't know how you turn around and say anything other than that that was an incredible sporting event. It was by far the best matchup that we could have possibly gotten in terms oh, yeah. of pure physical uh, football and pure schematic matchups. There Unless you unless you eliminate those two teams from playing, and we could have been given some other addition of something else, I have no idea what is even close to being as intriguing. That was great, um, and that comes from someone who actively roots against the SEC 
and would like to see more conferences have chances. But it was great tonight. A genuinely fun game to watch with a, with in a group setting. Like that was it lived up to the billing. Glad I did not just watch alone. I'm gonna ask you a really stupid question. Okay. Is this the last time we see Nick Saban in the national championship? No, 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 no. You say that very confidently. Yeah, I say that very confidently. Okay. Um, I, feel, I say that extremely confidently. You know what? Every time that we've ever doubted him, he's proved us wrong. I will just say, and he's coming off a national title defeat. This, I, There were cracks this year. There were. It was tighter than it's ever been. And again, I just I make the point that they've never had to replace as much as they had to this year. But they're going to have to do the same thing again next year. Teams are out recruiting them now. A and M is going to pull down a way better class than that. Um, Not when you factor in the portal. Maybe. How many times are they going to find a Jamison Williams? I mean, they just got Jameer Gibbs. They we'll see if Jameer got, Gibbs does that they at also Alabama. Got, they also got Henry Toa Toa. They also got a cornerback who I can't remember who it was. I can't remember who the cornerback is, but they definitely got a high-level cornerback out of you the portal this year. You know, they got Garrett Dieter one time. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> um, so, like, not all hope is lost. Um, yeah, they'll be back. They'll probably be back next year. Bryce Young's back. I think they will be. I'm 75% sure they will be. But normally I'm 100% sure. And I'm not. I'm not. Because this team is going to rely on guys getting a lot better than they were this year. They have to replace Jamison Williams, Brian Robinson, John Mechie. I don't know what Jalil Billingsley is going to do. He can declare for the draft. Given he, that's another point that I made prior, not to just take a victory lap. He didn't catch a ball tonight. And he was targeted early and had opportunities, and he couldn't separate. And that was a large part of Alabama's passing offense, just shutting down. And then from there, I just don't feel like I ever saw him again. No, because Latu started playing well. Well, that too. And the right. blocking tight end that they have in there to be a lead guy in RPOs led the team in receiving. That was probably also a part of it. Given though, he had 60 of those yards on one of those catches. Uh, the other five calf catches, or the other four catches, he averaged 10 yards a catch. Yeah. We had the right champion this year. The best team won the national championship. Yeah, the best, absolutely. The best team for every moment that was not three three hours, three and a half hours on December 4th of 2021 won the national championship this year. You know what it also tells me, Gabe? LSU and Alabama, These we got two all-time, all-time, all-time teams in 2021 and 2020 that... I was kind of starting to question, is this going to be what it is? All-time offenses every year that make us kind of rethink what elite looks like. Is the haves and have-nots really separated by this big a delta? The answer is no. Those were anomalies. Kind of. Kind of. Because if if Bama has Mechie and Williams, I, maybe they would have been able to score again. They would have put up more than 18. They would have. Probably. Like, red zone execution for Alabama was a problem tonight. And yeah. it was a problem because... They settled for field goals. Bryce could not find people open in the end zone. And, yeah. and because of that, there was a lot of Alabama trying to run the ball near the goal line. It was Against a stout run defense. Because they were like, all right, well, running the ball is every bit as good of an option as trying to find a way for Treshawn Holden to find separation at the goal line. And that was not working. So, like, as much as I want to be like, defense can still win a championship, it's like, it was so hard for defense to win a championship this year. Yeah, it took a lot like, of stuff. Like, it took a lot of stuff to happen. It kind of took the perfect storm. Uh, like, to make a, to make a, you're not going to understand this analogy, but to make a golf reference, this feels very much like Bryson DeChambeau hitting, like, monster drives and then he finishes in like third place in a tournament despite not putting well or whatever. I understand that. And people uh, and people are like I get that. People are like, "Well, the process doesn't work." It's like the process 
it didn't necessarily go perfectly, and it still gives him a better chance than so many people in the field. It's like just having Bryce Young, just having Jamison Williams, and having John Mechie gives you a chance. Like having elite quarterback play is always going to give you an upper hand in college football, and having elite, elite defense is the equivalent of having elite irons. It's like Morikawa. Like it's like it it plays. It's harder to win that way. So I don't know. It, it's just not as repeatable. It's not a recipe that everyone can follow because not everyone can hit the ball like Colin Morikawa. Not everyone can play defense like Georgia can. So, but I'm glad that it happened. I'm very glad that it happened. How do we grade the broadcast? We didn't get to listen to it at the start or really throughout the game because we were all working on social stuff. And talking, yeah. ESPN did some cool stuff. POV cameras pointed straight down at the goal line at each of the pylons. So that use them. We didn't get to see them, but that's the next innovation from the company that came to you with the pylon cam for the first time. And would have been extraordinarily useful had we had a play at the pylon, like in the Oklahoma State game, to determine anything. The And for me, outdoor stadiums, it would be a lot harder to do this, but indoor, I kind of wish every inch of the field was covered like that. Well, you could do it in Glendale. You could do it at Jerry World. I mean, it's not like... Rail cameras that are in the ceiling. Would be amazing. You get to see individual routes. It'd be like a drone, a bird's eye view of the field. And you could see stuff from a... That would be way more useful almost than all 22. In some ways. I mean, you wouldn't be able to see what the players see in terms of leverage and where people are angled. But it would be a very useful view. I think the broadcast, like, production-wise, I thought uh, every once in a while there was moments where it felt like we were getting the wrong replay. I thought there, Slowly. Were, there and, were graphic hiccups at the beginning as well. Well, and but, like, this is this is stuff that only, only really we care about. Yeah, sure. But everyone watching the game was probably not too thrilled when Bryce Young gets hit on, like, the second play of the game and the ball gets loose. And we just immediately cut to, like, a back angle shot of over the Georgia sideline. Or the Bama sideline. I forget which sideline it was. And and you see N'Kobe Dean sprinting down the sideline. You're like, like, what just happened? Um, So that was a bad jump cut. But, like, I thought the fourth quarter, and from everything that I've heard, and obviously I didn't hear every single word because we were in a group setting of six people. But Fowler called a great game. Rough early. But the fourth quarter was incredible. Settled in when the moment counted, and this is from a guy from one play-by-play to one play-by-play guy to another. As somebody who wants to sit in the chair that Chris Fowler sat in tonight, he, from all accounts, put so much work into his prep week, and he is one of the truly special broadcasters that we have now because of how he handles the setup throughout these games. He's gotten so much better at elevating to the big moments. And his call to pick six is the accomplishment of something that he has said is the reason why he does that the, this job, which is to be the guy who narrates the moments that we remember. And he did tonight. He's done it throughout his career. You know, Alabama wins, Ohio State wins, Brad Haley will score. Those His voice is emblazoned into my brain for those. But... He is elevated as a play-by-play man and is, in my opinion, the best guy calling football games right now. Of anyone. I think he can be a little shaky at times, but when he is on, I think he is as good as we've got. I love a good coverage take. Uh, we should do more media stuff. We should do more media stuff. I... I don't know how I feel in comparison to the NFL. I think in college football, certainly. Like, I, I like Fowler significantly more than I like Gus. But but part of that is because, like, I don't, I don't need Gus to do the whole bravado thing. Like, I understand. Yeah, that's Gus. I understand that that's him. And, like, it's, it was, it's awesome for, like, March Madness when he would do that kind of stuff. And it's, I don't know. With football, it just feels... I don't think we get the establishment of stories and thread lines and the the smoothness of the lead into certain graphic elements and things like that. And I'm getting really technical now. Yeah. 
But what Fowler does so well is he, he executes. It's almost like a quarterback on an opening drive. He executes play scripts. He can get the thing seamlessly and can tell you what is going on, why it's important, what's happened throughout the year to determine this moment better than anybody. Better than even Al Michaels, better than Joe Buck. That is what he does at an elite level. Well, and that I think that's because of his days as the game day host. Absolutely. And it the is. fact that he doesn't have to do that job anymore, but he probably has the interest to still follow things mm-hmm. in that regard. Um he's capable of doing it. Yeah. And that's that's good for him. So I I think that that's really impressive and him doing the Rose Bowl, like I don't know, it's it's been so long. It's been nearly half my life with Chris Fowler as the national championship person and no longer the, Musburger. He, he made the transition at the dawn of the CFP. This is his seventh national title. Yeah, so I guess a third of my life. Yeah. Um, and the more and more that we have him, the less and less that I remember Mus, Mus. Musburger like at all. All we remember is the bad moments from Mus. They're the end. You said it, not me. Jackpot, um, baby. Yeah, just I enjoy that Raiders win last night, Brent. I haven't heard his call. I would love to hear his call at the end of that game. I'm sure it was incredible. Um, <laughs> do you want to do scholarships and sanctions? Let's before? do it. Um, Scholarship to the former walk-on, Stetson Bennett. Yes. Very cool statement, and any walk-on slander... I'd like to speak for Heat Check as a program. Uh, we are anti-walk-on slanders. There's That's Walk-on like slander is trendy like, on Twitter. Who are these people? Everything is trendy on Twitter if it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. If you made a tweet tonight about that's why Jamison Williams shouldn't have played tonight. You suck. Banned. I'm allergic to you. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm more than willing to hear takes. If like, I'll toss a sanction to field turf, like bad field turf. And and I'm find, not sure if that's what find, happened. Finding way, well, I saw someone who runs a turf performance center, and I don't know how qualified they were, but was criticizing the turf. Seems like a moment to get your name out. Yeah, there. I'm a turf guy. That's bad that's turf. Bad but turf. I've got good turf. <laughs> that's bad turf. No, I think it was more of like a surface specialist person. Who was, who was saying, like, the turf and... He could just turn on his TV. The, no, <laughs> I don't know. The point being, they were saying that the turf in Atlanta, like, they're able to play soccer on it and change change directions quickly and not have as many problems. Well, and that was a sudden change of direction on bad turf, and it led to something to bad. To be fair, so, that turf has been there a while. It did have problems during a conference championship game in the Big Ten years ago. Yes. Whenever they had to, like reinstall a piece of it um, and the tur- there have been massive innovations with that the repaintable turf that they now use at SoFi and at the, the Raiders Stadium's grass right mm-hmm. for the no NFL. it's not no, for it's the not. NFL for the NFL yeah ASU played on turf though yes Which, because it's a retractable field yes yeah um, so anyway, yeah we've, uh, we, we're, we've we're, given scholarships to walk-ons slash Stetson Bennett yeah. a sanction to more opt-out talks, opt-out talks about the playoff and like, bad up. turf and bad turf. Um, scholarship to defensive ends playing fullback. Oh yeah, oh my god. Or defensive Carter, tackles Carter playing fullback. Took one guy in each arm and just said, "Get <laughs> out of here, we're scoring." Um, I'm literally just spitballing this thing. Scholarship to Nick Saban for telling Kirby Smart. With a grin on his face at midfield, you guys kicked our ass in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and Kirby going, yeah. <laughs> Which was awesome to see. Um, and I will say, last, last thing. Scholarship to a great a great host city in Indianapolis. That's a, that's, that's a great spot. The that's sun, a great spot. folk were not content with the weather. but They should open the roof. Sanction to Jim Irsay for not getting the roof open for that game. Uh, yeah, we forgot to pay the AC bill. I mean, our season's over. We lost the Jaguars. Um, I hope you guys open the that sucker sleeves. up. If you if you're sitting in the upper deck, I hope you brought three layers. 
I'm glad that nobody complained that we were playing a game inside because of ventilation because of COVID. Glad that wasn't a thing. Yeah, that's we don't need that. Yeah, we don't need that. I don't think we need to go any further either. No, we got an hour. An hour yeah. five. That was a good good game. And good now, game. Now we move our full focus to the thing we're actually good at, which is college basketball. I I kinda hate that the graphic pretty much all night has just had Alabama across my chest. You just want to show off your support for I was rooting the US for America national team. I was rooting for America tonight and America won. Georgia won. For America. For America. A lot of people went to bed happy tonight. That's true. A lot of people. That's true. A lot of people Even went to bed quietly, unhappy because over didn't catch. Quietly, Nick Saban's very likable. Very yeah. Likable. Like yeah. Very, he's way more likable than Belichick. Way more likable. Way more likable than Coach K. Don't even get me started about how much more like like his Q score is ten times that of. He's a benevolent dictator. <laughs> he uh, would not yell at opposing teams players. You you don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> the rat poison is yummy comment though felt out of place after winning an SEC championship and now it, I don't think it now ages it makes sense. Well. I don't think it ages as well. Because he was smug and sly after they beat Georgia again. He's like, y'all doubted us. Well, Vegas went right back to the well, and this time they couldn't get it done. And I don't think the leather jacket is coming back out. <laughs> I, I looked at those photos today, and I was like, trying to make graphics for the show. I'm like, what is he wearing? Yeah. You know he listens to Give Me Shelter by the Rolling Stones after every game? You've shared this yeah. factoid like three times. Yeah, I love this factoid, though. He has like a Rolling Stones t-shirt that he wears with a big old mouth with the tongue out. Impressive. I love Nick Saban. I love Nick Saban so much. It just meant more tonight for it Kirby did. Smart. God damn right it did. <laughs> and with that, this has been Heat Check. Thanks for watching.